Hey everybody, it's Mark. Welcome or welcome back to the New Spring Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free New Spring app where you can access all of our recent message content. Actually, the app is the easiest way to share all this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around here at New Spring. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Welcome to our series. Our series is called Clash of Dynasties 4. Anytime you see a Clash of Dynasties series, prophecy is always the theme. I knew I'd be talking about prophecy so much in the days that we're in. I created a, a brand that would be an anthology brand so that we're now in the fourth. By the way, I've actually got Clash of Dynasties 5 written. Um, and somebody asked me, what happens if Jesus comes first? And I said, well, Clash of Dynasties 5, the, the tagline is now boarding. I said, the plane will have already left. <laughs> so, well, anyway, we're so glad that you're here. And I, I've asked you to, to have a hard copy of the Bible. And many of you have done that. I know you've shown it to me. One of the reasons why I really want to do this is I want you to have the Word of God. And I want you to own it personally because it's critical in these days that we're living in that you know the Word of God and that you know it carefully. I was, uh, I thought about something that I felt like God showed me to give to you that would give you handles for this idea yesterday. I had to go somewhere here in town that was in a familiar part of town, actually not far from where we used to live, but I didn't know exactly the location of this particular business. So I went ahead and, you know, I, had, I have car, Apple CarPlay going, so I had Siri go ahead and find that. But as the instructions came to me through my car, I, 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 it was very comfortable for me because I knew the part of town. I knew where the turns were coming up and everything, and it was very easy. It made me think a few weeks ago, I was speaking in Charlotte, and although I've, been, I've spoken in Charlotte a number of times, I was in part of the city I didn't know very well, and so I had GPS going, but because I didn't know the city very well, there were times when it would come at me too fast, and I would actually make the wrong turn even though GPS was giving me the right directions. Now, here's the thing. The Bible tells us that you are led by the Holy Spirit of God. If you're God's child, the Holy Spirit leads you. Romans 8, 9, every person who belongs to God is led by the Spirit of God. But here's the deal. The Holy Spirit will always lead you in conjunction with God's Word. And if you don't know God's Word, if you're not familiar with God's Word, you're going to be getting instructions from the Holy Spirit, but it's part of town that you don't know anything about. And you can actually make wrong turns listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit because you're not familiar enough with God's Word. So that's why I want you to know God's Word. Peter said this, and I don't, I, this is not part of my talk. I, it's gonna, we're going to go into overtime. I can feel it already tonight. Uh, but Peter said this, and Steve and I had lunch together today. We were talking about today. We were talking about this earlier. Peter's talking about the last days that you and I are living in. And he starts talking about when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter said, we're, we were there. We were there with Jesus when he was glorified. We were there. We saw Moses and Elijah. We were there. You can't shake me from that. We were there. But he said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. He's talking about the Bible, the word of God. And here's what he said. He said, in the dark times that we're living in, you move toward the light until the sunrise. And he's talking about when Jesus comes. Now, that's where we are right now. We're in a dark place, a very dark place. It's getting darker every day. I don't see anything out there on the landscape other than Jesus and the coming of the Lord that's going to change where we're living right now. I would love to think there's a political solution, but I'll tell you why. If you think there's a political solution to the quagmire that we're in, I've got some oceanfront property I want to sell you in Andover. So, and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about Andover, Kansas. It's going to be Jesus. And so tonight we open our study of the book of the Revelation. 
I want to let you know, and by the way, it's going to be like drinking. A warrant is going to be like drinking from a fire hose because I've got so much to say, and I'm really driven to make sure that I stay on the main highways. Uh, the, the name Revelation, the name of the book, it, by the way, it is not Revelations. It is Revelation. Some people think it's Revelations of the future, but if you look at the title of your book, it says the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation comes from two Greek words that are jammed together. And we get our word apocalypse from that. It's apo kaluma. Apo means away. Kaluma means a veil or a covering. So basically it means to take the covering off. So that is what you have in the book of the Revelation. You have, you're taking the covering off the glorified Christ. But in doing so, you're also taking the covering off the future. But here's the thing. Although this is a series in which we're going to be spending a lot of our time in the book of Revelation, it is also a clash of dynasty series. Because the story of the Bible, and we should never get away from this, the story of the Bible is a clash between two dynasties. It is the dynasty of God and the dynasty of Satan. We, we are told in the Bible on many occasions that there was rebellion in heaven before the world was ever created. God created angels. And among the top angels was an angel by the name of Lucifer. Lucifer means shining one. But always remember this, whenever God creates beings, he always creates beings with free will. Because without free will, there's no such thing as love. So consequently, because God is so, God is love, the Bible tells us, he creates all his beings with free will, even the angels. Now, I'm not sure exactly what happened. We're not told. Maybe we don't need to know. But we just know that somehow in the vast passage of time before the world was created, Lucifer got full of himself. And he began to ask the question, why should God get all the glory? Now, I want to pull from one of the texts that talk about this in the Old Testament. I want to pull from the book of Isaiah chapter 14 in the 12th verse, because this is now a reflection looking back on what happened before the world was created. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, mighty though you were, against the nations of the world? For you said to yourself, so this gives us insight into how Satan was thinking. It also gives us insight to how he's thinking today. You said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and rule the angels. I will take the highest throne. I will preside. I will, verse 14, be like the most high God. He didn't say he was going to push God out. I don't think he thought he could do it, but he was just saying, I'm going to build my political base until I'm right up there with God. Well, even though God thumped him out, the rebellion was partially successful. Hey, I don't know. Hey, I just know this. I know that somebody with a bad attitude can cause other people to have a bad attitude. Don't start off with a bad attitude. You may have experienced this in your family. You may have experienced this where you work. Well, it happened in heaven because as much as this blows my mind, one third of the angels, and we learned that actually from the book of the Revelation, we'll see it when we get there, one third of the angels sided with Satan. Now, the number of angels, according to the Bible, is uncountable. There are so many that they cannot be counted, but we are given an at least number in Revelation chapter 5 in the 11th verse, and that number is 100 million. So it says 100 million and millions and millions and millions. So there's no telling how many angels there are, but we know at least there are 100 million. So if a third of the angels, those of you who took mathematics in college, you took high, high mathematics, you can help me with this. If there are at least 100 million angels and a third of them sided with Satan, how many angels, how many demons, that's what we know of as demons now, how many would he have? 
It'd have at least 33 million. That's right, 33 million demons. Good number of them are in Andover, Kansas. I know because that's where I live. And they have been in my neighborhood this week. Anybody have the demons in your neighborhood this week? Yeah, yeah, right. Now, add to that, and this is one of the things that's so misunderstood in our world today, misunderstood in the church. Add to that one of the most painful reality, strike that, the most painful reality in the world. Currently, Satan is in charge of this world system. Now, again, most people cannot wrap their mind around that. This is why the word of God is so important because the Bible, doesn't, the Bible shows us we don't go by what we feel. We don't go by what we guess. We go by what is revealed to us from heaven. Now, the reason why Satan is in charge of this world system is spelled out for us really throughout the Bible, but especially at the beginning because you understand that when God made the first two human beings, he wanted them, he wanted us by extension to have kingdom authority. God wanted people to rule this world. He, he, he created us to be family. And because God is ruler, he wanted us to rule alongside of him, which by the way, if you're a daughter or son of God, the Bible tells us that you will be a kingdom of priests. You will rule when you're in eternity. It's how God wants to share his kingdom with his creation. So you see this, and I'm going to give this to you in Genesis chapter one. We'll get to Revelation. It'll take a while because we're starting here in Genesis, right? God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and said to them, fill the earth, subdue it. Look at the next word, rule, rule. God wanted Adam and Eve to take care of, of his creation. But in chapter three, we see that Adam and Eve surrendered kingdom authority over to Satan. Satan came and swindled them out of a kingdom authority by getting them to sin. And, and I don't have time to develop this. We'll talk about it sometime. Not only did they surrender kingdom authority over Satan, they came under his kingdom. And not only that, came under his judgment. By the way, always remember that hell was never created for people. The Bible tells us hell was created for the devil and his angels. But when Adam and Eve surrendered kingdom authority, not only did they come under his dominion, they came under his judgment. So the Bible tells us that the world that you and I live in today is managed, the system of this world is managed by Satan. And you can imagine how Satan plays this angle because a lot of people say, well, if God is ruler over everything and all these bad things happen, then evidently God is either not powerful enough to stop it or he is evil. But you can see how that Satan just hides behind people's misconceptions. Now, let me just read some scriptures to you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. By the way, aren't you glad to know that in between those who accepted Christ here at New Spring last week, online and on television, 600 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ just this last weekend. <laughs> Take that, devil. Because the Bible says the God of this world blinds people's minds, but it's something when, when the word of God is preached, that veil is apokalumo, it's taken away, and Christ is revealed. Three times on the, on the night of Jesus' arrest in the gospel of John chapter 12, verse 31, 14, verse 30, and 16, verse 11, Jesus called Satan the ruler of this world. You say, I don't think Satan's in charge. Well, I'll let you take it up with Jesus. Because he said he was. I mean, think about that. Let's just hear that one more time. Jesus, three times the night of his arrest, called Satan the ruler of this world. In the temptation of Christ, 
Satan offered Jesus three deals. Luke chapter four, verse five, Satan took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil told him, I will give you all these splendid kingdoms and their glory for they are mine to give to anyone I wish. He would not tell that to Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. If that were not true, if you will only get down on your knees and worship me, Satan said to him. So Satan basically said to him, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to go through God's plan. If you'll just fall down and worship me, I'll just give you all the kingdoms of the world. Now, you say, Mark, why are you hammering this today? And I am hammering it. I'm doing it for two reasons. Number one, the Bible does. And secondly, I don't want you to miss it because it explains the world that you and I are living in right now. Because when we look at what's happening in the world, if you, most of the microphones, most of the power centers in our nation today are satanic, demonic. And that's because he is, he is ruling. And I'll just give you one more verse. First John chapter 5, verse 19, the world around us is under the control of the evil one. That explains a lot of things to me. Now, remember this. Satan is not all-powerful like God, nor is he all-present. He's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere. But remember, he has 33 million-plus demons that work with him. And this is critical that we get this. They are assigned. In other words, there's an army of demons that are assigned to various places. In the book of Daniel, Daniel is praying for an answer about the future. And when the answer finally comes, God sends an angel to give him the answer. Now listen to the language here. It's not so much the specific situation. I just want you to hear what Daniel has to say, or what the angel has to say to Daniel about a demon that's assigned to a particular place. Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you begin to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come to answer your prayer, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, Persia was the kingdom in charge at that time. It was the world dominion. And basically, this angel, whoever the angel says, said, I was, I, I was uh, delayed by the demon that was assigned to Persia. Then Michael, one of the archangels, the angel said, came to help me. <laughs> and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. So very clearly what we understand is Satan has demons assigned different places in the world. I'm sure that there's a demon assigned to Kansas. There's one assigned to Wichita, one assigned to Andover where I live, Bel Air, maybe more. I don't know. I just know this. We are dealing with a clash of dynasties. That is what is going on right now. And if we try to understand the book of Revelation, hey, if we try to understand any book of the Bible without understanding it against the backdrop of this clash of dynasties, we're going to have a whole lot of trouble. We're going we're to misunderstand God. We're going to misunderstand what's going on. And worse than that, we could, we could wind up on the wrong side. So... Always remember this, though, New Spring. Whenever we talk about spiritual warfare, we talk about the clash of dynasties, we are in a battle, but we are never in a battle against people. Could I say that one more time? We are never in a battle against people. And one of the biggest mistakes that the church makes is when we start fighting against a particular group of people. Because never forget our enemy is Satan and his demonic horde that are behind them. We start fighting people, then we'll be right where the devil wants us to be. Remember this, and I'm going to give you this verse, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. So if you've got an enemy that's human, you got the wrong enemy. You know, some of us have enemies in our own house, and we need to let go of that because you're not fighting against your wife. You're not fighting against your husband, not fighting against those people that you don't like when you go to work on Monday. 
Our enemies are never flesh and blood. But now listen to this. You say, Mark, I'm still weirded out with some of the stuff you said. But hey, listen, problem is we need to understand reality. One more time, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. All four of those terms are speaking of demonic activity. Is Satan going to win? No, that's settled. And it got settled with what we talked about last week. Remember when I told you, if you were here for Easter, and I told you that the last thing Jesus said on the cross was, it is finished? Well, what he meant was he had basically retrieved, and we'll talk about this in probably about four or five weeks, he had retrieved the kingdoms of the world that had been lost by Satan legally, legally. He had the legal authority. But even though he had the legal authority over all the kingdoms of the world, here we are 2,000 years later, and Jesus has not taken possession of all the kingdoms of the world because we've already said we live in a world that's still controlled by Satan. Why? Why? Why didn't Jesus take control of all the kingdoms of the world when he came out of the grave? Well, we should be glad because you see the fact that he's allowed things to stay the way they were means for the last 2,000 years the door has been opened. Whenever Jesus takes possession of the kingdoms of this world, well, we'll see this in just a moment, but I want to, I want to say what's going on right now. We saw 600 people accept Christ last week here through New Spring Church. The reason why the Lord has left that door open is he wants the, he wants the family to be able to come in. And in the meantime, here's what's happened with those of us who are believers. And I love this verse. I know you've heard me teach on it. Colossians 1.13. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. That's what we were born into. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. And I love these next two words. Transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So right now, Jesus is not taking possession and it's so that more people can come to know Christ. So where does the book of Revelation fit into this? It's the last book of your Bible. It's the last book on purpose. Here's what Revelation is. Revelation is the close of the clash. It is the end of the battle. It is when Jesus calls time. In the book of Revelation, everything lost in Eden is restored. Everything broken is fixed. Everything stolen is recovered. Satan is defeated. His lights are put out forever. Uh, we'll get into the tribulation. Now, next week, I'll give you an outline of the book of Revelation. It'll help you understand how the different chapters factor in. But there is a moment in the seven-year tribulation at the end of the trumpet judgments where there is an announcement in heaven. And I think this is my favorite part of the book of Revelation. This is in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. The Bible says the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices shouting in heaven. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. Now that's very strange because in the darkest part of the tribulation, heaven comes out with a press, press uh, conference. We don't have those anymore. We used to have them here in the United States. But angel comes up with a press conference and says... I want to make an announcement. The kingdoms of our world have just become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever. When George Frederick Handel was writing the Messiah, he took that particular verse and wrote, Hallelujah Chorus. That's right. Comes right from that verse in the book of the Revelation. Now let's read on. The 24 elders sitting on their thrones before God fell with their faces to the ground and worshiped him and said, now remember what I taught you a few moments ago, you have assumed 
your great power and have begun to reign. So in other words, the great power that was won at the cross, Jesus in the middle of the tribulation, or actually probably toward the end of the tribulation, assumes it at that moment and he will reign forever. So let's roll up our sleeves tonight and get started with the book of Revelation. First of all, I want to follow a flight plan. By the way, the title of tonight's message is Too Cute by Half, and I admit that from the very beginning. It's corny. Tonight's title is called Forward. You'll notice there's an E in parentheses in the middle because you see there are two words for forward. There's a word, and I see Amy knows this. Amy's an author. There was a word forward, F-O-R-E-W-A-R-D. That's the beginning of a book. It's, it's something's going to tell a little bit about what that book is about. Forward without the E is a direction looking forward. So that's too cute by half. I, had, I, I didn't know whether to call it forward because it's the beginning of our book study, but it's also looking forward. So tonight, I want us to have a flight plan. I'm really not going to get into the book of Revelation very much. I just want to introduce our study. So here we go. I think it's probably going to be about 10 weeks, but it could be longer. You know how I am. But I want, to be, I want to be real plain about something. Number one, this is not about satisfying our curiosity about every symbol in the book of Revelation. We're not going to have a chapter where I discuss how many tails are in the, hairs are in the tail of the red heifer or something like that. It's just not what this is about. Back in 1991, when I was 30, I wasn't quite 35 yet. Back in 91, I preached a whole year on the book of Revelation. Mary Alice loves that series. She found it somewhere. And it's on iTunes, and every once in a while, it'll pop up on our shared iTunes file, and I hear my 35-year-old voice. I preached a whole year. That's way too long to preach on the book of Revelation. But um, what I remember back during that time is people had a way of focusing on side points and speculation and things that really didn't lead much of anywhere, like who is the Antichrist or who do you think the Antichrist is going to be? I want to tell you something. There was a lot of time wasted. I don't mean just at New Spring. I mean in general with a lot of, a lot of salient or a lot of uh, salacious interest in, in prophecy. We should have been paying a lot more attention to what John talked about in 1 John 4, 3 when he talked about the spirit of Antichrist that he said is already in the world. So again, a lot of times when people get into prophecy, it's just a curiosity kind of thing. And, and, and if, it doesn't, if it doesn't get down into where we're living right now and change the way we're living and, under, and, and help us understand the times we're living in and how we should be living, I'm not really sure that it accomplishes a whole lot. And trust me, if I took a whole year preaching through the book of Revelation 30 years ago with all the prophecy study I've done since that time, I think I could take three years taking you through the book of Revelation today. But that's not my goal. My goal is to get us to understand where we are, to get you, this, this is it. My goal is to get you prepared for the times that we're living in right now, because I promise you, we don't have much margin left. We better get prepared real fast if we're not prepared for living in the times that we're living in. So here's the deal. Everything that I'm going to teach over the next 10, 11, 12 weeks, however long, and it'll be a little longer than that because we're going to take a break for things like Mother's Day and, and that kind of deal. But here's, here's the verse I want you to hear. Peter, when he's talking about the events of the last days, he says, since all these things are going to melt away in this matter, what sort of people must we be while waiting? 
That is what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in getting off into what's this mean, what's that mean, trying to figure out this mystery or that mystery. If you got time for that, you got more time than I do in our world because I'll tell you, it all comes down to what kind of people do we need to be while we're waiting for Jesus to come and the trumpet to sound. So I'm going to take the book of Revelation and I'm going to work on it from that angle. If you do have interest in studying like, what does this mean or what that means, sometime in the early part of our series, I'll recommend some books to you that if you do want to take some time studying some of those other things. You'll also notice I don't get off into people's opinions. I may find it personally interesting, but to those of you who've listened to me now, for some of you who've listened to me for 38 years nearly, you know that I stay with what I know for sure. So I'm going to do that in this series. The reason for my focus is the times that we're living in, and we are very close. I know we're, in the, we're not just in the last days. I think we're in the last, and I mean this metaphorically, maybe. We're in the last hours of the last days. Now, Here's the thing. Our theme is Revelation. We'll get into the first few verses of the book in just a few moments. But I want to do something that I know is vitally important. This is one of the most important things I'll ever share at New Spring. It's definitely one of the most important things I'll share in the series. I want to give you five characteristics of the times that are going to be right before Jesus comes back. Now, I'm not talking about signs because there are a lot of signs. But I'm talking about five characteristics that the Bible says will be the case in the time right before Jesus comes back. I see these things so clearly. Every time I open up a news organ, every time I open up a Christian periodical that's telling where the church is, I see these five things. They're loud. They're in bright colors. They're happening right before our eyes. But you need to know these, and you need to know them for two reasons. And I'm especially preaching New Spring Church. I know that on Saturday nights, some of you come from other churches. And I'm grateful for that, but I really want to, I'm responsible for New Spring. I'm your leader. There are two reasons why it's critical that I get these across. Number one, we, I want you to be prepared and not surprised when these things happen. And number two, God forbid that we should get caught up in Satan's agenda because we don't know what's going on. So for the next few moments, I am going to give you what I believe are the characteristics of the time right before Jesus comes back. Now, when Jesus was on the earth, he preached a prophecy sermon. We call it the Olivet Discourse. If you want to read it tonight, you can. It's in Matthew 24 and 25. It's also in the Gospel of Luke. But in his prophecy sermon, Jesus tells us that Satan, and boy, this is so big. We end up, you know, wish I had a drum roll right now. I mean, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> I knew I could count on you. Okay. Here's, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus says that in the end time, Satan will do such a good, such an effective job of scrambling truth and error. Listen to Matthew 24, 24. If possible, even the saints, it's God's people, might be tricked, if possible. So do you understand what is driving me to get this across to us? Because I don't, and, and again, here's the thing. We're watching this happen with, with, with even political correctness. We've got people who believe that they are righteous by advancing the most demonic, diabolical, wicked things. But they believe they're doing right. This is why Jesus said, if the light that is in you be darkness, then how dark is that darkness? So it's critical that we know these things so that we will be on the right side. So real quickly, I want to give you those five characteristics. How am I doing with time? Not good. <laughs> Is it okay for me to talk real fast? 
Okay, here we go. Number one. Let me read this from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. There are some terrible times. The old translation says perilous times coming in the last days. Here's number one. First characteristic of the time right before Jesus comes, the last days are extremely difficult. The word perilous there in the Greek means furious, sapping the strength out of you. Anybody, you ever feel the strength just go out of you when you watch the news? Hello, we're living in those days. That's the first characteristic. Now, let's read on. Right after that, the Bible gives us this list of, list of things that are contributing to those perilous times. People will love only themselves and their money. They will be proud and boast about themselves. Oh my gosh, Social media. Uh, they will abuse, well, that's why we're talking about social media. They will abuse others with insults. They will not obey their parents. They will be ungrateful and against all that is pleasing to God. They will have no love for others and will refuse to forgive anyone. Cancel culture. Well, there's little demons that are part of that cancel culture. Have you noticed how self-righteous they are? They will talk about others to hurt them and will have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. People will turn against their friends. They will do foolish things without thinking, will be so proud of themselves. Instead of loving God, they will love pleasure. They will go on pretending to be devoted to God, but they will refuse to let that devotion change the way they live. Condition number one, perilous times. That takes me to number two. Let's read this verse. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. That day will not come, talking about the Antichrist and the beginning of the tribulation. That day will not come except the apostasy comes first. And I'm reading out the amplified, the parenthesis here, unless the predicted great falling away of those who have professed to be Christians has come. Number two, what the Bible calls the great falling away. So in other words, there will be many people who appeared to be Christians who will deconstruct, who will no longer stand where they used. Actually, the word apostasy means they don't stand where they used to stand. Apo, we learned that prefix a moment ago. It means away. Stasis means to stand. Apostasy means people don't stand where they used to stand. There are a lot of Christians. I'm going on the edge right now. We have a leader that we have partnered with in the past with some of the materials in past days, but because of his move away from the word of God, we can't partner with him anymore. This is part and parcel of the last days. So don't be surprised when you, and, and again, part of this is because of the celebrity culture that's, that's permeated the church. I'll tell you something. God doesn't have celebrities. He has servants. And, and we're watching as a lot, of, a lot of these celebrity religious figures that have been raised up as teachers and leaders and, 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 and pastors. And, and I'm not against anyone having a high profile, but we're just watching as so many of them are moving away from the faith. And we should not be surprised because the Bible tells us this is one of the characteristics of the end time. Don't be surprised, don't be shaken. When, when somebody that you read his books or read her books and you just got blessed by them and the next thing you know, that person is not walking with God anymore and embarrassing the Christian family, just say, okay, I'm sad that this happened, but I'm gonna keep following Jesus. My eyes are on Jesus. My eyes are not on this preacher. My eyes are not on this author. My eyes are not on Mark. My eyes are not on New Spring Church. My eyes are on Jesus. And my eyes are on the word of God. Number three. Now, this is a real, I, uh, 
to be honest with you, I'd skip this for time's sake. But let me just go ahead and give, the, give this to you because it's in the Bible. Uh, when, when Daniel was writing in, ja- in the last chapter of Daniel, by the way, Daniel is the key to understanding the book of Revelation. God says to Daniel, seal up the book until the time of the end when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. Number three, the third characteristics of the time before Jesus comes, an explosion of information, an explosion of information. The Hebrew word increase there means multiply. It indicates multiplication that just keeps being exponential in nature. So that's when we see that happening. Okay, here's number four, and this is a big one. Revelation 12, 12, terror will come on the earth for the devil has come down to you in great anger knowing that he has a little time, little time. Number four, Satan hits with everything he's got because he knows he is running out of time. Let me tell you something. Satan believes the Bible. He knows the Bible is true. And so he knows it better than we know it. He, he can read, he, he's got a good clock. He can read the times. He reads the signs. He's part of even what's going on right now. He knows he's running out of time. You and I are gonna live in a world where Satan and his host, his demons, pull out all the stops because they're running out of time. And so when you see Satan's power grow, you just remember you know, that uh, God has got everything right on schedule and he's, he's a defeated foe. Now number five. Here's the fifth one. By the way, I'm going to read a lot of scripture here in this series. You know why already now. Now, God tells John in the book of Revelation the very opposite of thing of what he tells, told Daniel. You read a moment ago, God told Daniel to seal up the prophecy. God tells John to leave it open. That's why we, that's why we have the book of Revelation. Do not seal up the prophetic words in this book, for the time is near. Let the one doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Here's number five. People are making their dynasty choice clear. The days of middle ground are gone. That's what, the, that's what that scripture means. God is saying, okay, these times are going to winnow out who's on whose side. And the Bible tells those who are following God, they will continue to follow God. Those who are not following God, they may have pretended to follow God in the past, but they're, they're, what they really believe, what's important to them is really going to be known. Jesus said this in his uh, Sermon on the Mount. He said there's a broad road that leads to destruction, and many are on that road. There's a narrow road that leads to eternal life, and there are relatively few that are on that road. Always remember this. Traveling the broad road in a Jesus jersey does not make it the naz- narrow road. One more time, traveling the broad road in a Jesus jersey does not make it the narrow road. And so the Bible tells us that the times that we're living in is going to reveal, it's going to reveal which dynasty that we are in. It's 5.05. Can I have five more minutes? Okay. We are going to finally get into the book of Revelation. Here we go. This, by the way, this is page 989 if you have a New Spring Bible. So uh, where I'm going right now, if you're if in your New Spring Bible, it's page 989. We're in Revelation chapter 1. Here we go with the forward of the book. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. Now, the word soon, somebody can say, well, Mark, John wrote this probably around A.D. 90. Oh, and here we are later. Okay. The problem that we have sometimes is that our Bible is translated from Hebrew and Greek into English. <laughs> All of you ladies who have given birth, you know what we're talking about here. It means once they begin to happen, 
once these, once these things begin to take place, they will take place very soon. And also they will intensify like contractions. So that's what this book is, that's what this book's about. And you understand that the revelation really covers a, a, a relatively short period of time, at least the tribulation, which is chapter six through 18, cover only seven years. So that's what John is saying here. Once these things begin to happen, it'll happen very quickly, It'll be like birth contractions. I like verse three, I like this a lot. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. Don't you just love the word of God? <laughs> but it's not just that. Look at this. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says for the time is near. As far as I know, this is probably the only single spot in the Bible where a single part of the Bible is offered to you as a special blessing. And look, guys, I'm not just trying to get you to come to New Spring during this time frame, but I'll tell you something. There is a special blessing for you, if you will be under the sound of this book and under the teaching of this book and apply your heart to what you're learning here, God offers you a special blessing. So that's something to take into account. Now, verse five, all glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God, his father, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Now in chapter one, verse seven, we get into what I would say is the first indication of something that happens at the end that could not have been understood until our times. I, it definitely could not have been understood until television came about, really until satellite television came about, not even until video recording was common. I don't think possible until the internet and between you and me, I don't think it would have been possible until the smartphone. So what you're about to read right now, I don't think is possible until 2008. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone, one translation says, every eye will see him. You tell me how that can happen without the items I just talked about. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. All the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. I love that. That's the message. If you don't get anything else from week one, just get this. He's coming. He's in, and we saw this. Well, I want to get off into the ascension because the Bible tells us that when Jesus ascended to heaven a few weeks after he rose from the grave, he ascended up in a cloud, took him, and the angel said, this, this same Jesus will so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now, here we're not talking about the rapture. This is about the second coming of Jesus when he comes to deal with the battle of Armageddon at the end of the book of Revelation. All right, here we go. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. Isn't it interesting that if you want to understand Revelation at all, you have to realize the last chapter is in the forward, and you just read it. He's coming. And when he comes, he will come as king of kings and lord of lords. We got a lot to uncover. We got a lot to unpack. But as busy as we all are tonight, and I know I'm at 510, I would just hate to end this service without giving you an opportunity 
to make Jesus Lord of your life. You know, because sometime, and I'm not trying to freak anybody out, but sometime a, a minister like me is going to get ready to say goodbye at the end of a service. And it'll be the last one before Jesus comes. And you know, I don't want you to be left here when Jesus comes. So tonight, here's the thing. The Bible tells us that God loves you. He wants you to be part of his family. Do you remember that part about transferring you out of the kingdom of darkness and transferring you into the kingdom of his son? That's what he wants to do. And no church can do that for you. Sure, no religion can do that for you. I don't even think religions are a real entity anyway. I think they're a man-made construct. Man, Jesus is real. He loves you. And the Bible tells us that he died for you. And then he rose from the grave. And whoever invites him in, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone open the door, I'll come in. And you don't have to make it happen. He'll make it happen. If you're just willing to believe that he died for you, that he rose again, and that he loves you, and he wants to be your Savior and Lord, you can do it tonight. And no matter what happens in the future, you don't have to go to sleep and worry about it because Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. Let's bow our heads for prayer. You say, Mark, I want, to, I want this to happen, but I don't know how. Well, here's all you have to do. Jesus said, um, he's standing at the door knocking, and the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever, that's you and me. So if you're here tonight and you just say, Mark, I want to get out of, I want to get out of, um, the kingdom of darkness and I want Jesus to be my Lord then you can just ask him and he'll hear your prayer I'm going to pray a prayer with you I'll pray it slowly you can decide if you want to say these things to God here we go dear God I am a sinner but I believe you love me very much I believe Jesus died for my sins and because Jesus is alive I want Jesus to be my Savior and my King. Transfer me into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just pray with me, I have a gift I want to give you. I know that many of you are watching online. And if you're watching online, all you have to do is text the word PRAY to 97000. I have a, a gift at the gift box. There's a Bible, a book I wrote called My New Walk with God. If you're here on campus... You can just text PRAY to 97000. Go to any info center. You'll recognize them by the color, and they'll give you this box. No strings attached, no hassle, no hidden agenda. We just want to give you this to help you get started. So you'll, you'll find a New Spring Bible in here, like I've been showing you. Like when I give you the page numbers, you'll, you'll have your own copy. And then also a book I wrote called My New Walk with God, some other things. So just stop by any info center and say, I pray with Mark. God bless. Thank you. We'll pick this up next weekend. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our incredible kids and student environments, visit us at newspring.org. One more time, newspring.org.